Hello and welcome to the Senior Care Growth Show, where senior living, sales, and marketing leaders go to grow. I am your host, Rick Whittington, and welcome to podcast episode number 21. Today, we're going to talk to David Fresquez of CareSource New Mexico. CareSource New Mexico is an in-home care provider, and I'm going to let David tell you a little bit more about his company here on the podcast today. I think you're going to really enjoy the conversation. We get into sales and marketing pre-COVID, during COVID-19, and then post-COVID, what his plans are. We're going to talk about how he is growing his in-home care business, what's working and what's not working, and how he's doing some recruiting as well to find good, skilled employees. So without further ado, here is my conversation with David Fresquez. Hi, David. How are you today? Good. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, I'm really interested to hear your story. How did you get started in senior care? And tell us a little bit more about your company as well. Yeah, so long story short, uh, I was 23 years old. I was in grad school at Colorado State University Pueblo and I needed a job. And I was living in an apartment complex and I walked across the street into a nursing home and I knew nothing about a nursing home. I had never worked in one. I had absolutely no idea what that entailed. Um, I was very lucky enough to get a job interview. And you know, they asked me certain questions about the elderly and senior care. Again, I didn't know anything, but I was just very honest saying that you know, I was very interested in working and working hard and working with people. And by the good graces, um, I did get hired. And my primary responsibilities were helping the residents um, in the early mornings do the bathing, do the grooming, getting them down to the breakfast hall. And I absolutely just fell in love with it. That's awesome. So tell me about CareSource New Mexico. It sounds like you, uh, you own the company. Tell me about how that came about. Correct. So that came about when I was working in the skilled nursing facility. So I worked in um, skilled nursing facilities for six years. So that was skilled nursing, which uh, nursing home assisted independent and dementia care units. So that was six years of being um, a resident care coordinator and direct care staff. And the idea came from seeing the residents miss home and miss family. So I said, ah, okay, perfect. That's something I can really get behind because I believed in the home care structure and the communities and neighborhoods structure more so than a facility type feel. So I came back home to Santa Fe, New Mexico and started a company that does exactly that. It cares for people in their home with caregivers. And we do the activities of daily living, the bathing, grooming, mobility assistance, medication reminders, all those things in the home. So they're close to family and friends. Does that make sense? Yeah, it sure does. It, it makes a lot of sense. Um, so it sounds like it, it's, it's sort of a, an organic feel where you realized there was a need, you found a why, a reason for doing that. And uh, you, you went out and you, I guess, had the, had the, uh, you know, took the risk in starting your own company. Uh, how has that worked out for you? Yeah. So uh, if you would have told me risk like six years ago, I may have not done it because I didn't know much. I was very ignorant to it. So I was very, very lucky that I didn't necessarily think, you know, in a five-year plan or a 10-year plan, I was just really worried on taking care of people. That was really it. So to answer your question on how it's worked out, 
in, in a sentence, if I were to look back at my business plan six years ago and it's where it's at right now, all things considered, I would be extremely happy, which we are. We're in a great place right now for sustainability and growth. So how many employees do you have currently? Um, right. I, don't, I don't want to ask about revenue, but I do want to ask about employees. And I know you're based in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Are you multi-location? How many employees do you have? What does the company look like right now? Yeah. So our foundation right now is at any given time, we have about 15 to 20 caregivers running around at any given time. So um, it's me as you know the manager, owner. Then I have two care coordinators um, obviously have a bookkeeper and right now, which we'll probably discuss, um, later is just the development of the company. Um, but now we're looking to hire a business operations manager. So that's kind of the, our foundation right now. Excellent. So you're out of the business at this point, you're, or you're in the business in terms of you're running the business. You're not actually, are you still giving care? Um, I do, but it's rare. It's less and less. So that's a really good question. Um, but yeah, it's less. Super. Wonderful. So, you know, I know our listeners are going to be interested in this. Uh, we're recording this, you and I, in, in July of 2020. Um, you know, COVID-19 has locked us down. And since things are starting to open back up and there's a bit of a resurgence in cases uh, across the United States, how has your organization fared through COVID-19? Yeah. So it's like, just like anything else, you look at the news and like it's something different every single minute. It's not even a day thing, it's a minute thing. So how we fared is right now we're emergency workers, so we're still working. Um, th there's no other thing that I can think of to replace, you know, our caregivers and helping our clients, you know, through the aging process. So um, that that's still essential. So we are we are still taking on new clients and servicing our current clients. So we are still in business. Um, how it's affected us, I would feel like, uh, I, th I think just the world is not spinning like it kind of used to, obviously. And I think it creates a little bit more stress for our caregivers, for our families, and then it trickles down to our clients. I've just, that's just my sense on it. Um, being in Santa Fe, New Mexico, um, our governor as a whole and our state has done an exceptional job keeping the spread low. So we're very lucky to have her in office um, mandating masks, especially in Santa Fe County. And that's where we have, you know, 90% of our operations. So I think that's really helped us say, okay, we can be sustainable today and also in the future because of, you know, our leadership, um, you know, downtown Santa Fe. Yeah, I've talked with some other in-home care companies and what I hear from them is that many of the people that they're trying to serve are, are not comfortable meeting in person uh, with, with different caregivers at this point. Have you, have, you, have you seen that in your business? Have you had any issue getting your caregivers in to see people or, or even at the very beginning of the process when they first realize they need home care, are they willing to meet in person with you so that you can do a proper evaluation? Yeah, I... I think in the beginning, we saw that more so. Now that COVID is unfortunately becoming more normal, we, we don't see that as much. However, we have seen that in the hospitals, right? And some of our referral sources, that it is hard, harder to get into those SNFs, those skilled nursing facilities to ask for clients and or to check up on our current clients who may have had to go to rehab there. So that's 
the really hard part right now is trying to get into those buildings and talking to those care coordinators on either discharges or you know potential clients being admitted into more of these facilities because of their COVID policies now. So it's less face-to-face and it's more conversations exactly like what we're having right now. Do you, how, how have you faced some of those issues? How have you gotten around some of those, those barriers to being able to enter a hospital or what, yeah. what tips can you share with our listeners? Yeah, so that's a really good question. So I think historically the way that we broke down the marketing and the referrals was I myself went into the hospitals and the facilities and doctor's offices and just asked for their business, just like any normal marketer would. Now, because of COVID, right now, we're still in the process of creating that process. So I would say right now, I've made more calls to SEO companies, you know, saying, hey, like, how do we do, you know, an email marketing or an internet marketing? How do we make our website stronger? You know, because now as a smaller, you know, mom and pop company, uh, we're now facing, you know, the bigger franchises more than ever because, you know, theoretically, I would think they have the deeper pockets. And when you Google, you know, healthcare Santa Fe, you're going to hit the bigger comfort keepers, the home insteads, and they're going to bypass us. Our bread and butter was walking in and doing the late work, going into the hospitals getting that face-to-face, that intimate feel with the discharge planner saying, okay, yeah, David's, David's group's going to respond to us. They're going to send us emails, texts, and we're going to get the job rolling. But now they may be bypassing us because they may forget us because we're not face-to-face anymore. So uh, maybe the more of the referrals are now being internet searched because people aren't going in and out. So those are just theories that I have. But right now we are on that cusp of looking more at the SEO beefing up our internet searches and doing more of uh, email sharing and saying, Hey, we're still here type of thing. Right. I think especially COVID-19 is probably here to stay for a good amount of time. So I like the fact that you've adapted a little bit. We're certainly seeing that as well, where companies are saying, you know, how do we recover? We can't do the same thing we've always done. How do we do this on the web? How do we, how do we gain a little bit more awareness uh, using the website. Let's step back before COVID-19. What were some of the, you've already talked a little bit about this, but what were some of the sales and marketing activities that produced the most value for you? Sounds like those were, it was going into hospitals and doing the actual legwork. Correct. Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. And I think I can share one really cool piece on how to, how to set the mind frame of getting referrals. Uh, currently, there is a company here in Santa Fe that provides the same exact services we do, which is non-medical home care. Um, however, they are a non-for-profit company. So they do these services for less price than what we do. So when I found that out, I was like, I was like, okay, well, let's see how this works out because a client would usually just go to them compared to going to us, right? So I was like, I was curious to see how this was going to play out. So what I did is I reached out to them. I talked to them, got to know them, got to know uh, their ins and outs and their business model. And sure enough, they, their business model was such, but their grants only go so far. So they can only take so many clients and then they have boundaries on where they can take certain clients. So, you know, from time to time, they do share referrals from us. And this was a direct competitor. This was a competitor that could potentially really take us out of business, essentially. But we're able to 
um, not have a formal partnership, but to have a, just a relationship and say, hey, you know, we can we have a collaborative, you know, approach to caregiving. And if you guys get booked, think of us. Or if you have somebody outside the service boundary of your grant, think of us. So I think that's just the way you have to kind of spin things and think about things, even when they're direct competitors. Yeah, I love that collaborative nature of small businesses working together, you know, to, to right. do what's right for the, you know, for your customer, for your client. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, looking past COVID-19, let's, let's look ahead into your crystal ball. Let's say it's, uh, you know, six months, a year, even 18 months down the road. What are, um, what plans do you have to grow the company beyond that? How do you, how do you think you'll be able to do that? Yeah. So right now we're still in the beginning stages of potentially forming a new brand name. So right now, and this is the hard part about entrepreneurship is sometimes myself, I don't know all the crystal ball answers, right? Obviously. So one of our downfalls in the beginning was just having like the proper name, right? So unfortunately, when you Google, you know, the age-friendly Santa Fe, you may or may not find us. It's kind of hard because our approach, again, was going and speaking to the discharge planners themselves. That was our selling point. You know, we were selling, you know, like trust and you can call and text 24-7. We weren't necessarily selling the SEO or, you know, that type of approach, right? So now our new approach is going to be what's called, what I call is age-friendly senior care. And that's going to be more of a community-based, neighborhoods-based home care solution. So this is basically a collaboration of, you know, our company and potential care management. So now we can really scale the business nationwide. And the services that we would offer for care, care, care management would be, you know, okay, my mom just fell. Where do I go? What do I do? Who do I speak to? What's a home health care provider? What's a non-medical? How long is the skilled therapy going to happen? And we can help them navigate that system nationwide and really scale the business as being care coordinators. So that's kind of my crystal ball. And then obviously still provide care here in Santa Fe, the, the ADLs, the direct care services for the elderly. That's an interesting model you mentioned. I know that, you know, COVID-19, obviously not, not good for any business. Uh, we're not, not good for many businesses, uh, right. but certainly it does breed a little bit of innovation and trying to think about how to do things differently. So I like what you're doing there. Um, right. You know, I know at one point the business was just you. So if there are other proprietors or, or people that may own a home care business and they might have, you know, one employee, or maybe they're doing it themselves and they want to expand. How do you know when it's time to expand your business? Yeah, uh, we're going through that this second. And I think you got to listen to your gut feeling and you've got to write down your goals, you know, personal goals and your career goals, because it, you may be okay having two or three clients and working, you know, um, you know, an eight day, or an eight hour day. So you got to set out your business plan and your goals and your operations to know when that next step is to hire somebody because you may not want to make that next hire because it's additional work, right? So yeah, I think those are the two things is just know your business objectives and how far you want to scale it and then know your boundaries within yourself and how long and how hard you want to work and how many people you want to touch 
think those are the main things. And I think we're going through it right now is, well, you know, us as management, we can just kind of sit back and say, okay, well, we have our clients or do we want to hire an additional person to free up an additional person to go and do more sales? Yeah, a lot of the smaller, you know, in-home care companies, I think what they are doing is, is the owner of the company is even seeing patients. And it becomes a situation where if you hire people, management then becomes a pretty significant chunk of your day. That's right. And so you may not be able to, you know, to care for, for people anymore, uh, patients right. anymore. Um, tell me a little bit about how you're sourcing candidates for employment. I know this is a really big issue, not only with in-home care companies, but also uh, with other, you know, com just communities in general, uh, senior living communities, skilled nursing facilities, so, you know, I, I know hiring is a huge issue right now. So what are you doing to source candidates and where are you finding the most success? Yeah, so I find them through other caregivers. That's where we find them. You know, we'll give our caregivers a, a referral fee or a finder's fee for finding us another caregiver. Um, because in Santa Fe, a lot of our caregiver community is very intertwined. So one of my caregivers could potentially, maybe not so much now because of COVID, but historically, they could be working for us and also another facility. So, you know, obviously everyone talks and say, hey, you know, we can work here, we can work there. So I, I would say our re best referral sources is just other caregivers. Great, so just talking to other people, networking. Yeah, and, and again, you know, I run it very low budget, so I try not to cast my net on additional costs to find these caregivers when I can treat my current caregivers really well. And then they spread the word that, you know, CareSource takes care of their employees and moves forward. So, right. Yeah, obviously you have grown your business uh, from you know, one to 15 to 20, I think it's what you said earlier. So, um, you know, what issues do you think you're going to see as you grow the business beyond that point? Uh, that's, that's a good question. I, I think for me, my, my good skill set is definitely in the beginning was I was always in tune with what was happening with our clients at all times. Now, six years later, I have to rely on other people to get that information. So I'm less and less in tune of what's happening on the daily operations and being just naturally paranoid. That's a very sc scary situation for me to be in. Um, so that's what we're putting in place is touch points, making sure that our clients are being taken care of just like the owners watching over them like a hawk, right? So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, and I know you definitely have a heart for service and a heart for your patients. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how you're planning to balance growth with just the, the human element of caring for your clients' health needs? Yeah. And I, th I think what it is too is, and I'm very proud of this. I, my management team, I have, they have all been caregivers. So I think that's really important. So they know what I'm looking for in a caregiver. So therefore, when they're either um, screening for other caregivers, they also know what my expectations are because I've been a caregiver. My management teams have all been caregivers. So when I make the next management hire, I want them to be caregivers too. So, you know, we're not just going to hire some hotshot executive salesperson or marketer who sold, et cetera. We're going to sell, we, we want to sell, you know, our audience that, you know, our management team 
has been in the trenches. They've been caregivers, you know, either a family caregiver or they've been taking care of caregivers within our company. So I think that's the touch point. Because, and then it, it eliminates, you know, uh, failure rate, I believe, too, right? Because we know what's going to happen, you know, through the companion process of our clients all the way through the hospice portion of it. Because our management team has seen every step of the way of, you know, somebody's, you know, lifespan within when we get them. Yeah. So, so you've grown a successful business. You've cared for seniors that need your help. What are some of the trends that you see in the in-home care industry today? What are you, what are some of the trends that you see and what do you see changing as we head into the rest of 2020 and then into 2021? Yeah, I, th- that's a tough question as far as trends. I, I would say one thing that we did really well of historically was being able to, able to capture the client where they were at, meaning if they needed just an hour and a half service, we would provide it. Some of our competitors would not just because of the economies of scale and they just said, well, you know, the profit isn't there. We said, we don't necessarily care. We just want to capture the client and help the client where they're at. And now I'm hearing the bigger companies, the bigger franchises are actually doing that now. So they're sending out a caregiver for those hour and a half or hour shifts. So I think that's, that's a good trend that they're now helping the clients on exactly where they're at because they, they know the statistics. Is it's inevitable that that client will need more care. So I think that's one really good trend. Um, and what was the second part of the question? Just what do you see changing as we head into 2021? Even beyond that, uh, how, do you yeah. think, how do you think in-home care is going to change? Yeah, so I think this is a blessing in disguise. And I don't know if it's so much for uh, in-home care, but I think it's going to be more focused on neighborhoods, communities, and staying home, which is great, you know, especially for our elderly. I think we're going to see just a, you know, more emphasis on home structure, you know, through the government level, Mills on Wheels, home transportation services, um, you know, even our services being, um, you know, with the government taking care of seniors in their homes and their waiting list is always historically very long, but now they hire more people, you know, more caregivers to provide those free services to rural areas in New Mexico. So I think there's just more emphasis on aging in place, neighbors and communities, at home, which is great, in my opinion. Yeah, on a, on a previous issue or episode of the podcast, we had uh, two gentlemen on, on who talked about baby boomer sentiment and definitely how uh, baby boomers tend to want to stay at home. They want to stay active. They they don't they don't have the same expectations that uh, the greatest generation had of going in and living in a you know, skilled nursing facility or somewhere like that. Obviously, sometimes that's necessary. Uh, but I know a lot of baby boomers are making plans to try to stay at home as long as they possibly can. Uh, that's right. So it, it definitely sounds like the, the services, the demand for the service is certainly there. Right. Well, David, this has been a great conversation. If, if people want to reach you or they have a question, uh, how should they best get in touch with you? Yeah, so the website is caresource.life, L-I-F-E, and all of our contact information is there. So that's the best place, caresource.life, L-I-F-E. Excellent. And if they want to get in touch with you, maybe is, is LinkedIn a good spot to do that? And uh, do you want to provide spelling for your name just so people people know how to get in touch? Yeah, so LinkedIn's fine. So it's David, and then the last name is Fresquez, F-R-E-S. 
Q-U-E-Z. Excellent. Well, David, thanks so much for the conversation. Great. Thank you. And that just about wraps up our podcast today. But I wanted to ask you a favor. If you are listening on YouTube, please leave us a like and subscribe. Or if you're listening to us on iTunes, it would be great if you would leave us a quick review. We would really appreciate that as it helps us to get a little bit of extra exposure for our podcast. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on the Senior Care Growth Show. I'm Rick Whittington. Have a great day.